This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and Real Country 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. Hi, it's Casey. Thank you so much for tuning in to Shine On. This is the most fun I've had with a guest in a very long time. I want you to welcome Dr. Jody Janati. She is from Minnesota. She's a behavioralist, and she's here to help us with our control dramas. Basically, it's like this. You're two years old. You're in the supermarket with your parents. You're having a meltdown because you want something. Now you're going to start throwing out behaviors. You're going to intimidate, threaten, and bully. You're going to ask a million questions and judge. You're going to go aloof and just not speak. Or you're going to do the poor me, woe is me game. All right? Wherever your parents cave, you could negotiate that way for the rest of your life when you're trying to be in control of a situation. Dr. Jody reminds us it's collaboration that's productive, not control. But boy, did I see myself and my button pushers so clearly today. If all of this is new to you, Dr. Jody is here to talk about control dramas. So a control drama is kind of exactly what it says. It's something that we do almost unconsciously for most of us that control a drama that we find ourselves in. And what happens is most human beings, if not all of us, use a control drama for the exact same reason, meaning we're all human, so we all need the exact same thing. And that thing would be love, power, energy, attention, call it what you want. But at the end of the day, we all need the same thing. So we resort to a control drama to get that thing. I think I might be the queen of this, but (laughs) I feel terrible. But I know there are better skills but I don't think I've learned many. So what are the, some of the things we would do instead of create a control drama? And I think first, give us a few circumstances of adult control dramas. The first thing I would say is a control drama is a negative thing because it's something we do to elicit a response from someone else to get what we need. Now, why it's a negative thing is we end up getting what we need at the result of someone else suffering. So, for example, if you were to play a poor me control drama, you would elicit attention, you would elicit energy at the expense of someone feeling, you know, guilty, someone feeling that they have to give you something in exchange for your control drama. So what happens is if you were to study conflict and go back to like a Thomas Kilman conflict style, um, you would find that almost every control drama, which, which there's only four at the root, that being said, if you're using an intimidator control drama strategy, you're almost always finding yourself competing with someone. Like, I'm right, you're wrong, period. So the fear is the other person might be afraid of you. The other person is going to lose while you win, but they get what they need. Going back to Thomas Kilman, which is their conflict style, an interrogator will ride you with questions to the point of interrogating where you feel like you have to compromise 
And even though the Thomas Kilman model will say that's a win-win, no, when you use an interrogator model, it'll always be um, casting someone into the role of feeling inadequate by asking why questions. Why did you do that? Well, why didn't you double-check this? Well, have you considered that? And the person feels less than equal to you. Um, The third one would be an aloof control drama where aloof, you know, means detached, um, unavailable. And that's exactly what avoidance is on the conflict model. And then, of course, the poor me drama would be all about accommodating someone. Like, I will punish you for making me have to accommodate you. So really the goal is collaboration. That's the goal, getting rid of all control dramas so that you collaborate rather than use a drama to get what you want. Dr. Jody Gennati, I'm a terrible person. (laughs) (laughs) Well, aren't we all? I would guess that you might lead with an interrogator control drama. No, but that's a great guess. It's not. You know what? it's, It's the aloof avoidance. It's what I do. Oh, that's interesting. So do you date or marry interrogators? No, I, I married the most wonderful man in the world. And and I don't do... I, we collaborate. My husband and I collaborate. We're good. But in my life, if I feel uncomfortable, the way I get control is to uh, step back. Well, and what's really interesting about aloof behavior is that aloof people will be the first to say, I don't like when people ask me a ton of questions. But then as you dive deeper, you'll learn that that's not true. Because if you actually are quiet and aloof and detached, and then you go vague, vaguer, vaguest, it creates a series of questions. So let me give you an example. If someone were really playing in aloof behavior and not even knowing it, let's say I'm teaching a class as a professor, and I say to an aloof person, where are you from? If they're in a control drama, they'll look like detached, like, what, are you talking to me? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then I'll say, yes, where are you from? And then they might give me a vague answer, like the metro area. And then I'll Mm -hmm. say, where in the metro? And they'll say, the southern suburbs, which will elicit another question. Oh, where in the southern suburbs? Apple Valley, Egan, Burnsville, to which they'll say, yes. You see how the vague, vaguer, vaguest? leads to more questions. Oh, people are screaming and right then, now. People are saying, I know this person. I know this person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's funny is the aloof person will say, I hate when people ride me with questions. But the answer is, no, you don't. Because if you really hated it, you would answer the damn question specifically. <laughs> like, I live here next to the mall, and then the questions would shut off. But instead, an aloof person goes vague, vague, or vaguest. But you see what's happening there? They keep getting more questions. And when you're really honest with yourself, what are you getting when someone asks you a series of questions? Attention. You're getting love. You're getting power. You're getting attention all under the umbrella of, oh, I hate when you do that. Well, if you hated it, you wouldn't do it. Wow. Wow. I I don't think, wow. Okay. I don't think that's me to a T. I think I go aloof to avoid conversation. I would say I even already know enough about you to know that you might be an interrogator on the front end and then move to intimidation when you are angry. And then I think you would move to aloofness when you're raging. So, like, I would guess when you are in a full-out anger, you'd be like, I'm done. 
I'm done. And then you'd walk out. How did you know this about me? Well, isn't that funny? (laughs) (laughs) So I would guess with you personally, and this is everyone's different, is that when you are up against someone exhibiting poor me drama, that would bring you to your knees. Like you are a person who likes to fix things and you are a person who likes to create solutions to things. So a poor me drama would lead you to say things. In fact, I can pinpoint the exact three sentences. Ready? Yeah. And it probably mixes with your OCD. Ready? It goes like this. <laughs> Go. It goes, how, it goes, how hard is it? How hard is it? Okay, that's the first sentence. How hard is it? The next one would be, everyone knows. Everyone knows. And the next one would be, who does that? Who does that? <laughs> so those three things would, those three things would go together for an interrogator around OCD. So it would be like this. Everyone knows that the soup can labels have to face out, or how do I know that's chicken soup? Who does that? Who does that? Oh how God. hard is it? Just turn it. Just turn the labels. Just oh turn the... Who does that? How hard is it? <laughs> how did you know about the OCD? <laughs> well, isn't that funny? <laughs> well, that's just what behaviorists do. <laughs> so, so with that, let me clarify for you. <sighs> Having the OCD is not a bad thing. You know what it is? What? It's control. It's actually creating safety within your environment. Yeah. Absolutely. I feel good when everything in my house is where it's supposed to be, facing the right way. Right. I tell my husband all the time, this doesn't go here. Everything has a place. You're a great example for for the audience to see an active interrogator aloof role model right there and we all do it none of these things are good or bad no one is above a control drama so behind closed doors what would play out then is an interrogator dating or married an aloof person Mm. so i would guess that when your partner gets upset there's gonna be i don't care you decide it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. i'm no threat yeah. And that person will just withdraw, to which will add you to ride with more questions. Are you mad at me? I can't read your mind. What's going on? Mm. Talk to me. Yeah. I, now, you know, listening to the uh, intimidator, interrogator, aloof, was what was the other one? Poor me. Poor me. I can be a ruthless interrogator. Like if, so, if, somebody right, bring, right. if somebody brings me something that I, like they bring me a statement that I don't believe in, right. ah, at my most ruthless, I've got 84 questions to tear this story to shreds. And I'll and just keep what? asking and asking and asking. Yes, go. And here's what I'll say about control dramas. Hmm. When you add a Y on top of a Y on top of a Y on top of a Y, Mm. it always ends in one place, and that place is scrutiny. And that's the biggest lesson for an interrogator. And I'm an interrogator, so it's really easy to pinpoint (laughs) other people. (laughs) So what you'll find is all of your friends are interrogators. What does that look like? Two interrogators sitting at a restaurant I interrupt you, and you interrupt me, and I interrupt you, and we don't care because we'll just slide it in later. That's normal for two interrogators. Right. For people who are not interrogators, that would look like the two most rudest people on the planet. Right. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. Wow. So here's what people people, um, look at when they look at an interrogator. They look at the behavior, and they go, I can't get a word in edgewise. 
either you want me to answer you too quickly. So like, what do you want for dinner? What do you want for dinner? And people feel I can't answer you quick enough. Mm -hmm. And then the flip side of that is when an interrogator is in their control drama, if you answer them too quickly, we'll say this. I was speaking. You just (laughs) interrupted me. So see how an interrogator creates aloof behavior? We actually create aloof behavior. Because if you answer me too quickly, you're rude. And if you don't answer me quick enough, you're rude. So what better way than just to create aloof behavior all around you? So what I'm saying is if you go home tonight and you limit yourself, and I'm not kidding you, to five words or less all night, watch what will happen. Go home and say, hey, babe. And then go in the refrigerator. You want one? And then be quiet for a while and say, any mail? And all of a sudden, you'll notice your partner will say, they'll actually ask you a question for the first time. And guess what the question will be? Are you mad at me? Are you mad at me? What's wrong? You're not speaking. You're not showering me with vocabulary. Yes. So isn't this interesting? Because when you stop doing your natural control drama, other people get afraid. So we actually live in a world where you can't change your control drama because you've already created a life where everyone plays a role and every control drama interlocks with everyone. So once you learn what your control trauma is and you want to become better, no one will allow you to become better. <laughs> it is what it is. You're stuck there for life? It is. Yes, and we all attract people based upon our biggest fears when actually it's the sickest thing you ever thought. <laughs> but you can't change it anyway. Oh, so what Isn't that funny? What, what are my biggest fears? Like what what are a person's biggest fears? I, I would guess like So yeah. I would guess that your biggest fears are abandonment and betrayal. Yeah, of course. So let me so let me put it to you this way. If your biggest fear was abandonment, can you see how a bunch of series of questions would become a control drama? Like, where are you going? Out. Out where? With friends. What friends? You got no friends. You see how a series of questions would protect you from being betrayed. If you think someone's going to abandon you, how many questions are you going to start asking? Many. Yes. Many. So an interrogator... And, you know, human beings are only born with two fears, the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. That's it. The rest of those are um, socialized into us. So we can't really change them. All we can do is become aware of them. In fact, I would say awareness equals change. Awareness equals change. Yeah. So I, I have... You know, I have a book on my web- website that's a visual of... That, that one is probably better. It's just a, you know couple hundred page book on control dramas and it'll show you visually kind of a pattern that you would go through everyone has a pattern yours i would guess would be interrogator intimidator and then you would go aloof Mm -hmm. and then when you lose your stuff and go off the rails and almost go to prison you would turn into (laughs) you would turn into i try so hard and you don't and you hate yourself when you do that that's why you would never do that it's very rare for you it is very rare and i hate it so much whenever i play the exactly okay so let me add you this will really give you some goosebumps then ready yeah 
the things we don't like about other people are really just the things we don't like about ourselves. So we go, we all go through life pointing at these people that throttle us, only to find out that it's not the people who throttle us. It's the behavior in the people who throttle us that teach us the biggest lessons in life. Yeah, I have a hard time with this one, Dr. Jody Gennati. Oh, this is so hard. This is so hard. <laughs> well, here's another way to put it. Most of us go through life judging people based upon their behavior. And at the same time, we want other people to judge us on our good hearts and our good intentions. But guess what we learn? That people are judging us on our behavior, behavior, too. So what happens is you read about and learn about control dramas and you start to feel embarrassed and you feel naked and you go, wait a minute, wait a minute, I do that. Am I really that annoying? And the answer to everyone is yes, you are very annoying to a certain number of people. And it doesn't mean you're right and it doesn't mean you're wrong, but it is what it is. And there are certain people that just will not get along. Right. And okay. and once you become aware of it, you can go, oh, so that's why they think I, well, I do that, but that's not why I do that. And then the answer always is, it doesn't matter why you do it. People don't judge you on your good heart. They judge you on your behavior. Oh. And then you start to go, oh, okay, okay, okay. So like in your case, your intention and your good heart would be, I'm a helper. I help people. I'm a helper. But when you move into your control drama, everything you do under helping doesn't help anyone. It's like, let me play out a scene for an interrogator. An interrogator might say to their partner, "Um, can you come here for a minute? And they're like, oh, God, here we go. And then it's like, "Um, could you show me? I'm I'm just curious. How do you fold the towels? Could Could you show me how you fold the towels? And then the person on the receiving end is like feeling monitored. So they start folding the towels and then the interrogator goes oh that's interesting do you always fold them like that oh i never noticed here let me show you how i fold them in which the interrogator shows them the proper way to fold the towels yeah and then if they're really on fire they might pull their partner over and say come here for a minute just no just come in the back just come here for one minute and then they'll take them into the bathroom and they'll say you know how you fold the towels this big and our cupboards are really this big. Why do you do that? That's interesting. Weren't you just saying that we uh, needed more space in the bed? Are you mad at me? Okay, you know what? I'm just trying to, you know what? If I want them done right, I'll just do them myself. Oh, my God. And then six months later, the interrogator is the one saying, you know, it'd be really nice if someone would help me fold a damn towel in this house. Yeah. But they created that situation. Oh, my gosh. This is so much fun. This is so much fun. <laughs> okay, I, I have two questions. Why is it so hard for us when somebody is pushing all our buttons and you're like, I can't stand this person. I can't stand to be in the room with them. And then you realize you, you're, why is it so hard to see that you're just like them? Well, we all need the same thing. Like I said, love, power, energy, attention. And unfortunately, we all have different mechanisms of gaining them. So you referenced something from my books and my class about children and I use an example in a shopping cart when if you're pushing a child in a shopping cart and you're like daddy can I have a gumball and the daddy says no well a child at a certain age will exhibit a control drama in this order 
the first thing they'll do is a poor me. They'll arch their back and they'll cry and whine, and every parent knows how embarrassing that is, right? And then the parent is, okay, I'll get you a gumball. Just don't embarrass me. And the kid's like, I knew you would, and they already are controlling you. Mm. But if the parent can hold it together and say, no, you don't whine to get your way. Then the next control drama the kid at that age will do is an intimidator, and they'll lash out at you and kick you, and I want one, Daddy. And if the dad gives in there, then the kid is going to hone intimidator skills in their life. If the parent can stand through that and go, no, you don't hit dad to get a gumball. You're not getting a gumball. Then the kid will aloof the dad, like, "Mm, I don't care. I didn't want a gumball anyway. I'm ignoring you. To which the parent usually praises and says, that's right. And if you're quiet like that for the rest of the store, daddy will buy you a gumball. You're not going to embarrass me again, are you? And the kid's like, ooh, I can't wait till I'm a teenager. Then I'll really go aloof on you. Mm. Okay, if the parent can get through that stage, which who can get through this? This is so much. If a parent can get through all three of those, finally the kid will turn into an interrogator. Why can't I have one? Because I said no. Well, John got one. Well, John's going to soccer and you didn't eat dinner yet. Well, Dad, that's not fair. Why can't I have one? Can't you just buy one? Can't you just get a quarter and I'll put it in your pocket and then I'll wait until I eat my... And by the time this is done, the parent's like, here's a damn quarter. Go get your gumball and shove it in your mouth and shut up. (laughs) I mean, we get to a point where we break, right? Yeah. So wherever your caregivers break over time is the control drama that you hone because it works for you. Yeah, yeah. So every control drama is familiar to all of us because we have all have to test all of them throughout our childhood. But where your caregivers broke is where you land. This is fascinating. This is fascinating. Oh, well, thank you. Oh, I love it. Dr. Jody Janati. Um I could just play with this all day. Like, I just want to bring all my friends to you. And, but do you do you have any psychic ability, or is this just a puzzle that always makes sense to you? Well, you know, I work I work with behavioral profiling, and I'm a big fan of the Enneagram, which is a you know personality indicator model from early early Franciscan Church early. Um, Oh, we could talk for four hours on that. Yes, well, but you're no, what back. you just said, you know what we might want to do is figure out how to meet in person and get a whole workshop going around these things. It's so fascinating. Yeah. I mean, most people end up crying. Like if I would have known that about my father-in-law, I wouldn't have hated him all those years. So it's very healing. But you got to be ready to look at it. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. I'll do a retreat with you anytime. Anytime. That oh would be great. Goodness. We've got so much work to do, Jody Janani. <laughs> but what do we do if one of these poor me people shows up and they're crying all over the place? Well, that's really funny because a poor me behavior is not a problem for the majority of folks unless you're an interrogator. So that question coming from you is, of course, a real question, but that's not a problem person for most people. So that we all have our problem people. But to answer your question, because there's going to be a lot of people who have that question, um, I would say the short answer is to most control dramas, you want to name the game. Like if someone is writing you with questions and is an interrogator, you just name the game. Like, wow, what are you asking me a million questions? Am I on the witness stand here? and they'll probably stop. 
the interesting thing is if you name the game for a poor me person, the game gets worse. So if you say, wow, I feel like you want me to feel bad for you, the person will make it worse for you. They'll say, well, I guess I'm not a good communicator like you, and they'll pour me further. So the best way to handle a poor me drama is to hand it back to them. So if they say, oh, my boss is such a jerk, look what they did to me. Most of us will go, you know what you should do? You should tell her or him and we'll own their problem for them. So the best thing to do around a poor me drama is to hand it back to them. So that when they say, oh my gosh, look what my boss did to me, you just go, oh my gosh, what are you going to do? What are you going to say to them? And you hand it back to them. And they quickly don't want to play with you because they don't get what they need. And that's how you nip it. I am having a physical reaction right now because <laughs> I've handled this all wrong and thought, why does it keep getting worse? <laughs> okay. Well, I have, and I should say this, on my website, which is findyourconversationpeace.com, and of course it's P-E-A-C-E, findyourconversationpeace.com, I have a free book, and it literally has over 101 comebacks for drama. So they do not contain any control dramas. It's all collaborative communication methods like, hey, it's not me against you. It's us against the problem. Can we focus on the problem? That kind of stuff. So please direct people there to check that out. Oh, my goodness. I'm crazy about her. Her name is Dr. Jody Janati. And it's uh, J-A-N-A-T-I. Go to this website. Find your conversation piece, P-E-A-C-E dot com and get your free book. She's also doing a daily ohm course right now. I signed up for it. That's how I found her. Fun, right? Oh my goodness. It's time for our thought for the day. And Dr. Jody Giannotti gave us so much to think about, but I also think she revealed a lot of truth. So our thought for the day is from the Buddha who said, three things cannot be long hidden, the sun, the moon, and the truth. Shine on. You've been listening to Shine On, the health and happiness show for your entertainment only. Heard Sunday mornings on 100.7 WHUD and on Real Country's 920, 1260 and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Subscribe to Shine On on iTunes and SoundCloud and catch a show anytime at Casey.co. That's K-A-C-E-Y dot C-O. Shine On.